Welcome to a very special Broadway Radio episode on today, Monday, December 28th. I am Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. And I am Tell Me On A Sunday podcast Grace Aki. <laughs> Thank you for throwing in the, what, the, what Tell Me On A Sunday is, mentioning that it's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're here today to talk about some of our favorite things from the year that was 2020, because everybody knows we need some joy in this ridiculous bass backwards year that was the year 2020 um of course you will be hearing this episode first in patreon if you want to be a part of that head over to patreon.com slash broadway radio broadway radio.com slash patreon so what we're gonna do we're gonna have two episodes this week in which we talk about our favorite things from 2020 today we're gonna talk about Things that we actually got to see in person before the world shut down. And then I've got a special. Three months. Yeah. Yeah. Not even three full months, two and a half. Um, And then I'm going to have a special question at the end that we're all going to discuss. And then on Friday, which is actually January 1st, we're going to look back at all of the streaming stuff because there was a lot more of that um, and talk about our favorite Mm -hmm. streaming theater stuff. Um, of 2020 on Friday. We're going to have some other episodes in the middle like we talked about. We're going to have um, a couple throwback episodes in which Rebecca Luker was a guest here on Broadway Radio. We have another special episode uh, coming up on Wednesday, an interview with author Carrie Purcell talking about her new book, looking at the feminist history of theater, coming up in the feed on Wednesday. So lots of great stuff to keep you entertained during this holiday weekend or during this holiday week. And if there's anything that major happens, um, we'll pop back in in one form or another to give you the news on that. But this is generally a pretty quiet week in terms of that stuff. So we're going to talk about our favorite things that we saw live and in person, whether that's a play, a musical, a concert, whatever. Uh, Ashley, you're already oh-boying, so why don't you start us <laughs> off? What was one of your favorite things from 2020? I'm oh-boying because it felt like like three weeks that I had to watch anything in person at the start of this year. It was just, and to the point where I really had to go back and look at everything, um, which I think I saw maybe 14 shows before, which is probably how many you saw on your trip when you came to New York, no, somewhere I saw, around there. I saw a total of 16 shows in 2020 in person but no 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 i mean a lot of them a lot of them were in orlando and in florida so that's i mean that that counts regardless um i'm gonna get company out of the way here (laughs) because we're not we're not really allowed to say that much about it and i've talked about it as briefly as possible on the show before which is briefly is as briefly as i'm ever capable of talking about a sondheim show uh i got to see it twice on stage at least uh, including first preview (laughs) on stage at least whatever do you mean ashley i know right weird um yeah including the first preview which was one of my favorite theater going experiences ever there were certainly things in it that still needed work but they that were certainly improving from the start of performances to the a couple weeks later when i got to see it again uh, Katrina Link, uh, but eventually when it makes it to Broadway officially, it's going to win every damn award. So I can't wait to see it again and have Patty Lapone yell in my face. Uh, yeah. That was probably my favorite. Um, okay, so two shows I can talk more about. Well, hold, on, let's, hold, hold on one second, because Grace, you saw it as well, but I think you bought a ticket, did you not? Oh heck no! I got a comp. Okay, well, um, but but not as not as invited press though. Not as no, invited press. No, no, no. Okay, no, so what are like, your thoughts on company? 
Oh, okay. So um, famously, of course, like anyone probably listening to this podcast, um, we love Sondheim because we're all theater kids, right? Um, So seeing company in the flesh, not, you know, in a movie theater where Neil Patrick Harris is running around on stage and we're like, we get it. You do theater. Um, It was really fun. (laughs) It was really fun. Um, I don't always particularly like that director, which we could talk about on another day. Um, Mm -hmm. I know. Interesting, right? It's a hot take and it's usually what gets me kicked (laughs) out of a party. But um, (laughs) it was, I love the the visual, like the artistic direction of the show. I enjoyed a gender swap moment. Uh, I enjoyed the comedic stylings of a lot of people like... um, Mm-hmm. Greg and like I, yeah. I think there were so many great opportunities. Um, I didn't particularly think some of the casting, maybe even Katrina, uh, was correct mm-hmm. for this project. Even mm-hmm. though I can still love and respect all of the work that she does, um, just sometimes the casting of that uh, role for me was a little strange. Even mm-hmm. though I always want to support women and uh, storytellers and all those great things, uh, it. Felt I mean, they they could strange. have found a different woman, and it still would have. It would would have have met those qualifications of supporting other women. Yeah. So I I just was like, Um, other than that, I will say about 20 minutes into the show, Patty Lapone walked out on stage and said, guys, we got to stop. And um, she was not joking. Uh, The show stopped. And (laughs) and then uh, I think Itai came out and joked with the audience a little bit and everybody just kind of fell into their seats. I was sitting behind uh, Ben Platt, who uh, seemed to really enjoy that part of the show anyways. Um, Yeah, so it was it was fun. Everybody had to stop. Um, Something about the set piece, you know, uh, and let's say like the first act. Katrina has her arms spread. I think it's, I think it's like the opening number. So maybe not 20 minutes, um, but she walks through her apartment door into another apartment and then the apartment mm-hmm. kind of moves off. Yep. Um, it did not move. It wasn't oh. moving. She couldn't open the door. That was freaking funny. Oh. She literally, she was trying to open the door and it's a bit, but then it became not a bit and she couldn't open the door. Oh, so no. <laughs> it was one of those Charlie Chaplin moments where you're like, wait, yeah. is she okay? Oh, no. um, so yeah, that was just a really fun. And I'm going to tell you, this was about three days before the pandemic completely shut everything down. So everybody was dressed up. People were optimistic. They were like, we, you know, so, shows might have to like close for a whole day. Like that was a conversation I remember someone having in the, uh, in like the cocktail line. And I thought, no, never in a million years. And here we are. Uh, so uh, that was uh, big old. Well, yeah. 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 I will say, uh, I have did not see this company, but Grace, the only time I've ever seen company live and in person was the Neil Patrick Harris one. But I saw it on, I actually saw it on <laughs> stage, not in a movie theater. Um, and I loved it. And I loved it because Patty Lapone was yelling at my face, yes. um, which is also which is, good. Which is, yeah, a requirement for me <laughs> yeah. for anything to be good. Yes, it is. Goes without saying. Um, all right. I'm going to talk about one thing that I honestly did not expect to love. And Ooh. I left the theater being like, wow. I am a stick in the mud and I am so utterly wrong because I spent months poo-pooing this show on these very airwaves. And then I went (sighs) to, not for the show itself, but for other reasons, but I went to the first preview. I'm trying to think what this could be. Is this Dalfire? No, I didn't see that. I went to the first preview of Six. That's what I 
thought it, you were going with. Yes. But... I, and I had problems with how they were producing it, doing like a bazillion productions around the world before it came to Broadway and not oh, adding yeah. stars. Okay. Like I thought they should have had stars in it because like who wants to go see a 65 minute musical um, with no stars in it? And I left being like, wow, I'm dumb. These people know far much more <laughs> about this show than I do because it was one of the most enjoyable things that I have seen in a long time. And as we were talking about before we started recording, I, of course, teared up multiple times because who doesn't tear up at a musical about the six former wives of Henry VIII? Obviously, uh, yeah. It, but it was so much fun. I enjoyed it so much. The energy was obviously great because it was the first preview and there are so many six stands out there. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And I left being like, is this going to win Best Musical? Obviously, it's not this year because it never officially opened. But Whoops. I was like, I was like, this really could win Best Musical. And I think it deserves to uh, because its other competition was going to be Girl from the North Country, which I saw off Broadway and I liked, but didn't love. But I figured that right. was the leader. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I wholeheartedly eat whatever crow that I deserve to eat because six was delightful and funny and where, interesting. What's was that? that where we ran into each other? I don't remember. You were coming out of Jagged Little Pill, I remember. I was, yeah. Uh, but I don't remember yeah, what it was. It, wa- it was because you guys started like an hour later. Then oh. <laughs> Jagged Little Pill yeah. did, and we got out of the exact same time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, I will say I completely own being wrong about six because it was so much fun from start to finish, even though those starts and finishes were very close together. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was smart. I thought it was funny. I thought it was performed incredibly well. That cast is fantastic. Um, so I loved six, believe it or not. I loved six. <laughs> Someday I'll get to see it. Someday. Yeah. All right. Um, Grace, do you have another one you want to throw in or do you want us to keep going until we come back around to you? Keep going. Okay. Ashley, what do you have <laughs> next on your list? Okay. So I know you saw this show. Uh, definitely the best written show I saw of the year was Alice Birch's Anatomy of a Suicide, which mm-hmm. was at Atlantic Theater Company, directed by Liliana Blaine Cruz. I... <sighs> This is not a feel-good show, which obviously by the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was so numb and exhausted by the end of it, which I realized doesn't sound like a good review, but it is because but it was That's just, how it's designed. Like, you can't the way not be exhausted watching that show. Absolutely. And everybody, especially every woman or woman-presenting person around me, you could just, by the end of the show, you could just tell how exhausted we all were. Uh, I just, I felt it under my skin and in my bones the whole time. I thought the three leads, Carla Gugino, Celeste Arias, and Gabby Bean were phenomenal. For anyone who doesn't know, the show follows three generations of women and the legacy of suicide in their family. So you have this very doomed to repeat feeling for most of it that was just down to the writing and the staging where you had lines that were synchronized across the three actors on stage, um, scenes that were replayed, and it was just constantly tense until the ending scene. I really need to go back and read it because I do have a copy of it. Um, I want to see like because there are certainly there are things you miss because things are all, everything certainly. is playing out simultaneously by, de- and I, by design by design yeah absolutely want to go back and see all the reading for that um, I think Blaine Cruz is one of the best stage directors whose work I've seen and she just 
kind of lets women exist in all their flaws and neuroses. It's just a remarkable piece of theater. Yeah, it, it, the reason it's so exhausting is not only because of the content, like Ashley said, but because mm-hmm. there are literally scenes happening in two or three different parts of the stage Where at the exact same time. Simultaneously, yeah. Yeah, people are overlapping. There's no regard for like trying to space them out. Like You have to literally focus on a certain scene. And I was sitting, and Ashley will know what this means, I was sitting house left, so I was right in line with Carla, and so it was like yeah, I couldn't yeah. not watch the big movie star on the screen so i had to like force myself to watch the action on the other parts of the stage just so i could keep up with the plot so it was beautifully constructed i Mm. i can't imagine what a feat that show is to work on and direct but it was it was great it was it was great i wasn't going to pick that performance oh my god performance oh yeah it's just a just a a truly impressive project to see on stage done at such a high level like it was at the Atlantic. All right, Grace, um, hopefully you have something that's a little bit more upbeat than uh, Anatomy of a Suicide. (laughs) You know I don't. I'm I'm, I'm here for the downers, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, I'll I'll, I'll come back to this other one that's not so happy. Uh, But I actually got to put together um, a comedy show because I do stand up as well. And like, I put together a show that benefited Hysterical Women's Society, which, if you don't know, benefits a lot. It's a lot of theatrical performers, especially women, benefiting, uh, like, votes for women, um, more research for, like, Planned Parenthood, et cetera, et cetera. So they're a really good organization. But anywho, we got to perform it um, at StubHub. And so many of the performers that were in that show have been pandemic like heroes like Maria Dakotas uh, is so funny. If she, if you guys watch the, the, um, the lip synced Cuomo videos, that's her. She's hysterical. Mm, yeah. yeah. So her um, Katie Joe that you mentioned the other day, who is uh, yeah. her song is featured in the Ratatouille musical. She performed in this show. We just had a bunch of people that have been like saviors during the virtual part of this pandemic comedy wise. So I kind of love that we got to have one hurrah, show right That's before awesome. all of this happened uh, because those people I wasn't as good friends with and now I enjoy their content so much and sharing it and all that good stuff so that was um, that was a feel-good fun part right before yeah, yeah absolutely that's great I, I is the whole thing available uh, on video anywhere or was it just like you had to be there to see it we did well you had to be there to see it but I do have archival footage that I've been putting out like certain videos so maybe I'll be able to put out a lot more because cool. it was just really phenomenal yeah that's great very, very cool. Um, my next one is not as fun as that, but is not as sad and depressing as Anatomy of a Suicide. But it was <laughs> it was probably the best play that I saw all year. Again, small sample size. But um, that was uh, Cambodian Rock Band over at Signature oh, Theater, which man. actually, you know, I raved about when I saw. Yeah, um, yeah. It, of course, starred uh, Francis Zhu, former Tell Me More guest, um, Abraham Kim, Jane Louie, uh, Jonago, who I thought he was the lead. And I said it back then. I said, if this show ever somehow made it to Broadway, which I didn't think it actually would, he would undoubtedly be a Tony front runner. He was phenomenal. And then also had Courtney Reed and Moses Villarama. Um, it, I didn't know what to expect because it's a play with music. Um, it has a script or a play or a book by Lauren Yee and features songs by Dengue Fever, um, which is uh, a real rock band that wrote music for this show. Um, and it tells the story of a, uh, a, 
an adult, an older man, um, trying to reconcile his, um, his involvement or lack of action during a brutal period in his home country's, uh, history. Uh, but it was so great. Um, and it, it was one of those shows where I didn't really know what to expect going in, but it was so overwhelming and so powerful and so beautifully performed um i was in the front row actually sitting like two seats down from deep tran and then on the second oh, yeah. and then the second act lauren Yi came and sat next to me so i was like oh okay like uh this is where to watch this show uh but it was fantastic i hope that there's a, a bigger life for this somewhere um whether it is in new york or on broadway i think it's a tough sell on broadway because it's a super small show um like it only right. has you know f- six people in it um but it's one of those shows that I think will probably have a fairly decent uh, life in in the regional theaters and is definitely one to see because it uh, is beautifully constructed, a fantastic show, and uh, one of my favorite things that I saw this year. I'm still sad I didn't get to see it. It was bumped uh, – my performance was bumped up a week after the sh- – I think it was like supposed to be the yeah. 17th, so it maybe was, like yeah. five days after the shutdown because we were like, oh, this is only going to last a week, so can mm. – go and see shows the next weekend nope yep. nope yep it was one of those ones that uh, got cut short so uh, there is a cast album available which is also fantastic yeah, um, yeah. so highly recommend uh, Cambodian rock band to anybody in whatever form you can see it all right uh, where are we Ashley wanna, do you have anything else for us uh, yeah sure I would say the best performed show that I saw was my last show pre-shut down uh, which was the last day before the shutdown. And that was Dana H. Uh, Lucas Nath's last show at the ever wonderful vineyard, which I know you're few and far between of getting oh. to see shows at the vineyard. <laughs> Let's not get in there. Like I get invited every time, but like they always invite me yeah. after I've got my schedule set yep. for a trip. Yep. I just need to move oh. to New York so I can go whenever I want. That's, like, that's what I'm saying. That's how that works. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Right. Yeah. My first and last live shows of 2020 were Lucas Nath shows. Uh, the first one being the thin place and then the last one being Dana H. Tensions were very high. Like I said, it was everyone was like, well, maybe we'll be gone a week if we have to shut down. Um, so like the audience was really tense about it. And I went in kind of knowing what to expect with the show. I, I was avoiding reviews to the point where we're like, we had to review, re- read reviews in the show. I'm just like, I'm going to skip this uh, and not listen to anything. Um but Deidre O'Connell just hypnotized me the whole time. I thought it was such an incredible performance. Uh, I really wish I got to see it again. Though I think it's like they've talked about doing it again yeah. after the pandemic, which is very exciting. So there you go. You can see that one. one I, will not <laughs> miss it. I will not miss it this again. time. I promise yeah, I will not miss it this time. You'll fly in specifically for it. Yeah. Or depending on when they do it, maybe I'll be living there by then. Who knows? Fingers Whatever. Crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, all right. Dana H. Uh, from you, Ashley. Grace, you said you had another one that you were pushing back that's a little bit more depressing. <laughs> what did you have? <laughs> no, it was just not as upbeat, but um, I was fortunate enough to see, I believe it was in February, uh, was at MCC Theater and I saw all the Natalie Portmans. Oh, I don't know if you guys got to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved that play and C.A. Johnson. It was so interesting because, and I don't know, you know, listeners out there, like how old you are because, you know, age doesn't matter. Uh, but I will say like how I am a youth. Um 
and <laughs> I really enjoyed the soundtrack <laughs> for all oh, of this, especially yeah. like knowing how important Natalie Portman culture was like when I was in like middle school, high school, like post, you know, Star Wars and then into like the um, the Garden State. version of Natalie Portman, um, like listening to like that Kanye West, the shins, like there was just this very brief moment in history where everybody was listening to such great heights by postal service. Like it was just, and and shout out to garden state, but like there were so (laughs) many, uh, musical portions, which by the way, you can follow her playlist for all the Natalie Portman's on Spotify. Um, but it it told the story so well. And it reminded me of like, you know, the Cameron Crow of it all of like how music influences a piece of art. Mm. And I loved uh, the play was just beautifully written. Um, if you don't know, I'm just going to briefly read the synopsis of it. All the Natalie Portman's is a fantastic show coming of age comedy written by C.A. Johnson, uh, where the 16 year old girl and her older brother are living on the brink of eviction while uh, dreaming of a better tomorrow. And their mother um, is, is dealing with alcoholism and they're not sure. And it was just an all black cast, small cast, uh, of fantastic actors and I really I, I want another life for this show because mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed it yeah, led by Kara Young who is like mm-hmm. up and coming amazing I saw her in Halfway Bitches go straight to heaven too and just one of my favorite parts of that last year yeah, yeah and- highly recommend following her on Instagram as well very good yeah and I spoke with uh, Montego Glover who's one of the cast members yes, in that show yeah. towards the beginning of the uh, towards the shutdown probably in April at some point and we talked about how kind of bittersweet it was that that show closed mm. after its initial run but closed early during its extension so um mm-hmm. go back in the archives and listen to that one um this one is one that i it, it didn't come out in 2020 but i didn't see it until 2020 and the show itself it was fine the show itself was fine but it's the performance of the year that will undoubtedly, whenever the Tony Awards happen, probably in June of 2021, will undoubtedly result in the first Tony Award for the great Adrian Warren. Uh, I finally saw mm. Tina, the Tina Turner musical, and uh, sat like three or four rows back. And Ashley knows my love for Adrian Warren is Correct. deep and abiding. Um, and I am not river, generally river deep, not river deep. High, mountain high. Thank say. you for that. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. I appreciate that. Uh, simply the best, simply the best. Um, I am not generally somebody who like pulls out my phone and films everything, but there was no way in hell I was not going to personally film that, uh, that what encore or whatever it was, um, that she did. Like I'm, in the third or fourth row, just following her because she is utter perfection. Um, the show was, like I said, it was fine. It was good. It was enjoyable. Um, I liked it, but, uh, Adrian Warren is amazing. And I was so glad to be able to get to see her in that show, especially because who knows what the hell is going to happen post pandemic because, <laughs> True. uh, but this was such a, a special performance and I loved having the opportunity to finally see it on stage. Here for it. Very here for it. Uh, I like that you mentioned the Tonys. Like, that's still a thing that exists. The so what? That's cool. I, what? The, I, you know, we've griped about this for months now. I do believe that we will not have them until the normal week in June of 2021, which I think is an absolute <laughs> travesty and an insult to all of the people who work in the thought, industry. I've got thoughts, but this is yeah. not the time. No, no the townies are the stimulus bill. Let's move on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Does either one of you have anything else of live performances that you have seen in 2020 that you want to discuss? Hey, I don't know. I don't know. Not really. 
Yes, <laughs> I, I only saw like a couple handfuls worth. Uh, I re- I really liked Unknown Soldier at Playwrights Horizons, but it yeah. literally it literally could have been anything because I yeah. have such a soft spot for Michael Friedman's work. Um, yeah, it was. I, I thought, saw the first preview of that as well. Yeah. I thought it was like wasn't super melodic, but it was fine. It was a good show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's about it, though. That's yeah. Uh, I will sh- uh, shout out a concert that I saw. Um, which was part of a, a residency at the Green Room 42, which was supposed to lead up to this person's departure for the West Coast to go do what I yeah. think will probably be a future Tony-winning Best Musical, Limpica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was Eden Espinosa's Unplugged and Unplanned. Uh, I went with uh, Robbie yeah. Rizel. We went, and she is just so perfect. Again, another Tell Me More guest to plug my own show. Um, sure. But it, it was just so good and like she I know that people don't love Brooklyn for lots of reasons but like Once Upon a Time has been one of my favorite songs of any show since I, it came out I had I had to remind myself what you were talking about I thought you meant generally Brooklyn like, oh yes no 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 the musical Brooklyn <laughs> like Sorry, a lot of I people don't like Brooklyn and that's very fair <laughs> no 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 not, also not talking about Brooklyn Quartermain <laughs> on General Hospital um, but oh, no course, the yeah. musical with Karen Olivo and all that stuff but uh, Once, a, Once Upon a Time is, is so good so Eden Espinosa's voice and then her uh, obviously doing Elphaba and everything she's done since um, it's just so fantastic. And to hear her do some of these songs, a lot of them were by request. Um, uh, her good friend, uh, Levi Christ, uh, Tony winner, Levi Christ, uh, showed up as well to do a few songs with her. They go back to performing together at Disneyland. Um, so it was just a, so much fun and so intimate. And she's just so luminous. I cannot wait for her to win a Tony award for, uh, playing Limpica. So, all right. Anybody else for the good of the order have anything live that they saw before we move on to our next question? Nah, hit it. I think we nailed right. it. All right. So this question is a little bit out there, and I have a specific reason why I came up with this question. It was basically so I could talk about something that is not theater related. So, oh, uh, um, but the question <laughs> is, what? What was something that you experienced this year, either live or at home or virtually or you read or whatever, that felt like theater, but wasn't actually theater? Um, Ashley is struggling to come up with something. So, Grace, (laughs) Grace, why don't you go first, then I'll go, and then we'll leave it for Ashley. I was going to say, I can go a second. I I have some ideas. I I don't know how to categorize. All right. Well, let's let's let Grace go first. She's got a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but during the pandemic, we were inside. And during this time where we were inside. I literally uh, was taking a drink when you said that and almost (laughs) spit it out all over my computer. (laughs) Good good spit take. Uh, So there were a lot of uh, creative opportunities for people. My friend who does um, all of the the media stuff for Goodspeed Opera House, they had their virtual um, gala, which was, if you can go back and look at it, go to their website. It was breathtaking, like the way that they filmed it so safely. They talk about the precautions. They talk about, you know, what art means to them. It was a gorgeously done gala, which I was very impressed by. So I got to say that. Shout out to Michael Fling. He's amazing. So... That being said, I wanted to take an opportunity to talk about filmed theatrical productions, not bootlegs, guys, professionally filmed (laughs) theater productions. And I am obsessed, and I'm sure you are too, with uh, the television series Fleabag, which is on Amazon Prime. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a god amongst mortals, and she's written a fantastic two-part series. 
And it's all based on this solo show that was famously given three out of five stars um, at a theater (laughs) at Edinburgh. Uh, And the reviews on it are hilariously sometimes bad. And you have to look back and go, wow, sometimes critics are idiots. And so um, I had always wanted to see the solo performance uh, of Fleabag uh, that all the, the shows, you know, originated from, especially being a person that writes solo shows. Like she has lived the dream for anybody else. You know, like there's not a lot of women out there that you can say, oh, hey, like, you know, like there's Berbiglia, like Mike Berbiglia, but you don't have mm. like a female version of that, in my opinion, the same way. Luckily, you know, we got to see... Um, the, what the constitution means to me mm-hmm. on Amazon as well. So that was another opportunity, but the national theater did film uh, Phoebe Waller bridges uh, performance of Fleabag and they optioned it as a $5 rental fee on Amazon. And it was like, it, it, I remember the day it came out because the, the money proceeds went to the theater, which was iconically amazing. Mm. And so I sat down with a friend, we watched it and it was so exciting. Like we felt like we were at a show and that was the first time in months that I felt like I was giving money to theater, giving money mm-hmm. to an artist, supporting something. Uh, and, and it was just fantastic. And if you can go back and try to look for it, um, hopefully you have that opportunity as well. Yeah, so good. Everything Fleabag related is amazing. It's so funny that it mm-hmm. got three out of five stars at Edinburgh and then went on to be Absurd. literally one of the most <laughs> of the critically best. acclaimed yeah. TV shows <laughs> of all time. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. Ashley, do you want to go or do you want me to go? I mean, I don't know that I have anything really. I, in terms of things I feel, to me, this is more both theatrical and construction, but also something that felt like it would actually be like the reverse Fleabag. It was a TV series that would make a good one woman show. I don't know if either of you saw the, the BBC slash HBO show, I Made a Story You, um, written by Michael oh. who also did Chewing Gum. Yeah. Oh, uh, hell I yeah, feel- you guys. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. I feel like Michaela Cole should have the same level of recognition of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It felt like to me, it it would work really well on stage um, if you did some trimming, if it was sold as a one woman show. It's another, it's a very dark series. It's about sexual assault because again, I love to bring the doom, Um, (laughs) but just the way that it was constructed, it was told uh, non-linearly, I think it was 12 episodes long and it would just have all these, and you'd have like what felt like the climax of the series around episode four, and then it would kind of come back down. And then it would, it was just like peaks and valleys the entire show, just the way that it was written though, especially in terms of Michaela Cole's character, I think was just, I, I thought it was exceptional. I think, uh, I, I read some interviews with her and I think she turned in 160 something drafts until it was made and, and, wow. and until it wow. was perfect. And that's just kind of like, I've kept that in the back of my brain, this whole pandemic of like, okay, so that's what it takes to make something that good. Just write another draft, write another draft, write another draft. That's amazing. I, as I famously don't watch TV anymore. So uh, yeah, except I will- for the mass Singer. The mass dancer. An- yeah, the mass dancer starts tonight as we're recording. Okay. So uh, we got to get this done by eight o'clock, folks. Um, okay. But okay, so that's great. I love that you two have both picked things uh, by women that are inarguably feminist in nature. Because I'm going to do the same. Yeah. Um, 
I, oh, I, I hope it's what I think it is. I don't know, but I think Ashley, you and I might have talked about this all the way back in like April or May. But beyond okay. that, I can't imagine that anybody listening would ever guess that this is what oh I was going God. to pick. Oh, I, I what do you think? Is. What do you What do you think it is? I was hoping it was Fetch the Bolt Cutters. It is Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona yeah. Apple. Thank you very yeah. much. No, that, was, that, was, that was on my list of things that felt theatrical but weren't. This, that and Chromatica. Yeah, so I was in my car. I was driving. I normally listen to podcasts, but I was like, ah, I don't really have any podcasts I need to listen to. Let me scroll through my albums. And I was like, oh, I haven't listened to Fetch the Bolt Cutters in a while. Let's put this on. And I listened to it again for the first time in a few months. And I was just like, this is a perfect album so this this album was recorded over five years uh by fiona apple and it was originally going to be put out in october but because of the shutdowns she was like screw it i'm gonna just drop it on a random friday in april and i i think everybody who listens know that i'm not necessarily like a super hip person when it comes to modern music but i am so glad that I listened to the hype on this one because it absolutely shattered my expectations. It is everything that I want theater to be. It is intelligent, but it's accessible. It's emotional, but it's funny. It's weird, but it's like poetic as well. Um, yep. It's it's truly great from start to finish. And it doesn't have a storyline like theater obviously should, but it certainly has like a, a, a like a feminist through line that deals with everything from like bullying to sexual assault to gaslighting to just men being generally awful um but it it's never preachy like she's not standing up on a soapbox and and being preachy about it which as we all know even really good theater has a tendency to be preachy even if it has a good message um but it was just so well constructed so beautifully made and i'm not a music theory person or even a musician but like the songs were incredibly melodic and I like you, they all get stuck in your head, but they're all kind of random. And it just feels like she was just like rules. Fuck them. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever I want. And every song well, at is least two of the, I mean, the whole album, I don't like to necessarily use the word angry when it comes to like women's art, because I mean, I think a lot of women's yeah. art is inherently angry, but it's righteous anger. And this was like an album of righteous anger to the point where you had, yeah, I think there's like two or three songs that are just chants. Like yeah, exactly. certainly the last one for her is a chant song and just the same line repeated over and over and over again. Yeah. And the lyrics, even in the songs that are like considered angry are like, they're so good. Like the, uh, the line, um, uh, uh, I, I would beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. Mm-hmm. Like that is such a perfect line. Like I've always heard the definition of poetry is like the right words in the right order. Like that is the definition of poetry to me. And I'm just shocked that it's so perfect that no one has ever, I mean, maybe people have said that before and I've just never heard it, but I would beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. Like, how have I never? That's such. That's so perfect. So basically, I love Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters. I now yes, want her to write yes. a musical um, because it would be the weirdest, coolest thing. It would probably run at the New York Theater Workshop, and Ooh, I would fight somebody to get tickets. Yeah, and um, like Fiona Apple is such a weird figure in pop music because like she kind of comes in and out, and, like kind of like disappears for a while, but she's like. You know, I remember when Criminal came out. She's she's a few years older than mm. me. She's like four years older than me. So like uh, cr- watching the music video for Criminal, I felt excited but dirty watching it. And like I didn't really know <laughs> what those feelings were at the time because it was yeah. not 
it was like before I was old enough to really get it. But like, she is just such a cool figure. And I love this album. And it felt like theater to me from start to finish. Deep respect that she'll disappear for like five, 10 years, then come back, drop the best thing that's been made in the decade and then disappear for another like 10 years. Yeah. She has albums that have reached the top 15 in four consecutive decades. Mm -hmm. She's 43 and yet she has the top 15 albums in four consecutive decades. It's, it's amazing. A year ago, right now, my friend Alexis Molnar, who is also like a theater theater vet, she's amazing, um, did a Don't Tell Mama solo show of um, Fiona Apple songs. And oh, literally, yes. it was so incredible. She has it. She has it recorded. And I believe it's on YouTube. It is art. It is theater. So if you liked Fetch the Bolt Cutters, highly recommend her show because oh, it, it literally is talking about what you're talking about. She's always recognized that she's a poet. She's theater. So if anybody's going to do that musical... Let it be Alexis Molnar, please. <laughs> so good. I'm going to have to find that one. But and I'm I'm so glad and kind of shocked, Ashley, that you knew I was going with Fetch I the knew. Bolt Cutters. I know. Well, because I had, three, I, had uh, I May Destroy You. I had Chromatica, Lady Gaga's new album, because everything Lady Gaga does is theatrical because she's theater people. Yeah. And then Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And I knew, because you and I have talked about Fetch the Bolt yeah. Cutters several lot, times, yeah. to the extent that it's almost, I mean, it's shocking for you, because you, as you said, you're not a music person. <laughs> So I'm so anything. I'm so glad you're the one to wax poetic about oh, Fiona so Apple good. to close the show. So good, so good. Um, but I think that is a perfect place to end it. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Broadway Radio. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Ashley. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No. This is Ashley Grace. You can follow me on Twitter Gracie Aki Chan, and then on Instagram Gracie Aki. I don't think that's correct. No, you're right. It's not. <laughs> I was, I was like, like, can I go back? <laughs> I've been trying so hard straight, to like straight consolidate that. that. Reverse yeah. it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Do it again. Do it again. On Twitter, I'm Grace Akichan, A-K-I-C-H-A-N. And then on Instagram, Gracie Aki. There you go. Uh, glad we got that correct the second time around. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we're Like I said, we're going to be on and off with different stuff throughout the week. But have a wonderful final week of 2020. See you later. I don't <laughs> let the door hit you where the good Lord split you 2020. Yeah. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Monday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.